0: Yo, mic check, mic check. Uh, it's your boy. We are out here chilling once more on the Lurk Report podcast. Special thanks to everyone who's tuned in so far, and especially those of you who grab some merch from my store. That helps out a lot when it comes to travel expenses, driving to interview guests, or when I have to buy equipment, or when I miss out on other work due to the amount of time I spend on the pod. So big love to all you rich homies out there shelling me out some bread. The link to my store is thelurkreport.bigcartel.com if you feel inclined to support. The man of the hour today is Ebi Gafarian. Dashaun turned me on to Ebi during his interview and I was stoked to be able to link up with Ebi and talk on the air about his brainchild, Stoops Magazine. If you're not familiar with Stoops, check them out online at www.stoopsmag.com and follow them on Instagram at Stoops Mag. It's a quarterly print magazine that covers radical skateboarding all over the globe, all conducted by our guy, Ebby who currently lives and skates in Charlotte. Uh, we reference a lot of things from the mag in this interview, so if you want some more context, be sure to grab a few copies of the mags that are available online. Um... Yeah, Ebby is a hyper motivated, creative workhorse, and I'm stoked to unravel his mind for all you sickos out there listening. Let's run it. I feel like I'm going to kiss it. Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry. I sanitize them in between interviews. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Mr. Eby, how do you pronounce your last name? Gafarian. Gafarian. I wasn't sure if it was Gafarian or Gafarian. Yeah. I mean, I don't technically don't even pronounce
1: it right. It's Persian and, you know, I... I don't say it the way that my family says it, but <laughs> I feel like if I did start saying it, it's a more guttural Khafarian but if I said it the way that you're supposed to say it, nobody else would pronounce it right. So it's better, it's easier, more palatable as a Ghaffarian. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, well, you clearly know what you're doing with uh, skateboard-related media, um, whereas I am just a mere idiot attempting my best. And, uh... I guess somewhat doing okay, but I am a little nervous. It's always awkward when I don't know the person we've met briefly one time. So my first question is, do you have any trick tips for interviews?
1: Uh, I'm, I've been doing soups for a while and interviewing people for a while and I still haven't quite figured out the best <laughs> way to do it. I kind of do it different every time and sometimes it works out better, uh, <laughs> One time I really blew it because I thought I could do a full interview with, uh, Sam Cody, uh, the photographer out of Australia, uh, through FaceTime and screen record it. Uh-huh. Didn't test it ahead of time. We did the full interview. We were on the phone or like on FaceTime for probably two hours until I realized, you know, until I was playing it back after the fact that I realized screen recording doesn't record audio on FaceTime calls. <laughs> so I could watch, I had a long video of us, our faces moving our mouths, but no audio. Damn. And I was so bummed. And Dude, I, that's harsh. It was, he was super cool about it, you know, cause obviously I didn't, I wasn't taking notes cause I was going yeah, to go back. Yeah, I'm going to have to him. transcribe this anyway. Yeah, that's harsh.
0: It. Yeah, yeah. I I tragically lost about 18 minutes of Sturgill's interview, but we caught it early, and he was he was a good sport, so we were able to get back on track. But uh-huh. luckily, knock on wood, haven't had any catastrophic uh, data losses or anything yet. I tried to as soon as it's done, I like export immediately and like upload it to the cloud in case my computer goes bonkers or whatever like, messes something up. But I will definitely keep that story in mind and learn from your mistakes. <laughs> don't don't <If> I, record <laughs> anybody. <laughs> yeah. Sick. Cool. All right. Um, so let's give the people a brief introduction. Here's what I know about you. Ebby Gafarian, editor-in-chief of Stoops Mag, um, former owner of Naysayer Skateboards, mm-hmm. and you're the uh, Matheson DIY construction gnome. you come come when no one else is there and leave little trinkets of of skate nuggets for everybody to enjoy um so what did i miss what else you got going on oh that's a loaded question i don't even know um
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right well how about this let's narrow it down Yeah, yeah let's narrow it down what do you do for your job Uh, currently I work in construction, I'm construction supervisor, uh, mostly doing stormwater stuff for like Charlotte stormwater, like city of
0: Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so another thing I know about you is that you've traveled a lot. Um, do you tend to pick up kind of jobs that allow you to live almost more of a nomadic lifestyle? Like, do you work kind of odd jobs or, uh, I
1: would say that the biggest, most important part of my, my life as far as skate life and all that, I, you know, I lived in New York city for 16 and a half years. And so in that time I'd lived there, I'd done all kinds of jobs. So I first moved there for college. And mm-hmm. then after college I worked in marketing for I don't know, like eight years or something like that. And so that, you know, I would get whatever typical vacation you had. And I would try to travel then. Um, but it wasn't a, that much. But then after, well, I guess I kind of started falling out of that field. I wanted something where I did have a little bit more time cause I was sick yeah. of like only being able to skate on a, after work, you know, which is usually nights, especially in the winters mm-hmm. and, uh, on the weekends, which is where I'm at now. But, uh, I started bartending and I was bartending, um, like in the Lower East Side for probably my last eight years there. Sick. And uh, and that really helps because, mm-hmm. you know, as a bartender, especially if you're like in a busy bar and you work, you have good shifts, so you work on the weekends, it gave me time to skate during the day because I didn't start work till usually 10 o'clock at night. Right. So I had the whole day and I don't really sleep a whole lot. So I, I get up early. So, you know, I could be bartending till four five in the morning, and then I'll still be up at nine to go skate, yeah. you know? And so it gives me the whole day. And yeah. then, um, and then I would have, you know, few days off in a row. So I would have Sunday, Mondays, Tuesdays. Um, and then if I need to extend it, I'll just like take off Wednesday or something. And so I can go on like short trips here and there. Mm-hmm. And then during times when I knew, know it's going to be slow at the bar, I would also try to go travel. So gotcha. I would go, uh, probably, a lot during the winter, I guess I would try to take, I don't go for super long, maybe 10 days or something like that. Mm-hmm. And being in New York, you meet so many skateboarders from everywhere. So yeah. a lot of times somebody, I would know someone through someone else or something like that. And then I would take them around when they would come to New York and show them around. And then, so whenever I went pretty much anywhere in the world, I know somebody and I can go, uh, sometimes stay with them, but at least like have them show me around yep. and take me to skate spots and stuff yeah. like that.
0: No, that's, that's super invaluable. And uh, definitely one of my favorite parts is being a skater too. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to, I went to Montana. I didn't know a single person in Montana, but like ended up linking up with a group of skaters and we did like a convoy of camping and skating that was like absolute once in a lifetime kind of shit for me. Nice. Cause I, similar to you, I, I work like a career job without too much, uh, PTO or any of that so um, and yeah and, and, and we've like hung out again since then some of their guys came down here um, I've met I've met up with them in the middle before uh, yeah it's just awesome to build your network in that like organic friendly way. Montana's um, sick. yeah I, yeah you've really been out there?
1: there yeah so I so I moved to Charlotte from LA and when I moved I didn't have space to bring my motorcycle uh, so I left that in, in Los Angeles and then I I think I'm, yeah, I moved here at the end of March and then I think around June or uh, sometime in June, I decided to go back and get it. I left it at a friend's place. So then I did like a cross country trip. Like I went up San Francisco, Portland and, um, I hung out with Andrew Bumgarner. That's, that's Uh, the dude. Yeah. He's a good friend in Portland, skated with him there. Uh And then from there I kind of started working my way back over and I went Uh, I want really wanted to go to Yellowstone, stuff, Mm -hmm. but I stopped in Montana and a friend of mine that skates, uh, Thane, he's in Missoula. Oh yeah. And I've been seeing stuff about Missoula, especially like stuff he's been posting. Another friend visits him a bunch has been posting and I was like, I want to check out Missoula. When would I ever go to Missoula? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? So, So like driving through Montana to get to missoula missoula itself and then out of it it was probably the best part of that trip it was so beautiful it was so sick yeah and then then there's like people that surf in the middle of missoula like in the <laughs> I've river i've seen that yeah it's like you're crossing the like we were skating across the bridge and i had to stop and like Dan turns back is like what are you stopping for i'm like there are people surfing right here yeah, under yeah. the bridge
0: straight up <laughs> right hanging loose in, in the, the middle river. of Montana." That's badass. There's like a series called Vans Weird Waves. It's like a cool little web series if you're into surfing where that's the theme of the show is like they find surfing in places where you wouldn't expect it. And it's, it's a, it's a super entertaining watch. So I'd recommend that one. Yeah, but that's rad. Um, Andrew told me that, uh, (laughs) this just came to me. So you spent like eight years as a bartender in New York. Yeah. Don't you not drink? I don't drink. <laughs> Sick. I've never drank. <laughs> never in your life, huh? No. <laughs> wow. So what drew you to that career? Like just the hours or?
1: Yeah. So I guess there was a few things. I mean, I don't drink, but most of my friends do. So a lot of times at night people want to hang out. They want to hang out in a bar or something like that. I mean, bar culture in New York is such like a big thing, right? Yeah. Um and especially busy bars, you, I mean, you could make a good amount of money. So in a a short amount of time. So I was like, well, if I'm going to be in the bar anyway, and I'm not drinking, why not just make money? (laughs) (laughs) So I decided to try that. Uh, And my cousin, he's a, he's a cop. He's in NYPD. And he, a friend of his was starting a bartending school Mm -hmm. in Staten Island. And he's like, Oh, you can give him some tips on marketing or whatever. And he'll he'll like, you know, give you some classes or you you can take the classes or whatever. So I was like, sure, why not? And it's great because the classes were, it wasn't about like making fancy cocktails. It was just about speed bartending because he came came from like the club scene. And so that was the thing is like that. If you want to make money as a bartender, you don't, you don't do mixology. You don't make, you know, work at a craft cocktail bar. (laughs) You know, you got to do volume. You got to make a lot. So basically go there and we're just doing drills of just like (laughs) you get, you're on an iPad and you have just different drinks coming up and you're just like, you know, basic drinks, you know, craft cocktails, but you're just like making them as quickly as possible. Right. You're on a timer. You're trying to beat the clock and like beat your, what you did before. And dude that sounds it,
0: sick. <laughs> sounds <laughs> and, like a video game or something.
1: Yeah, it was it was a, a little intense and I forget how long the course was like maybe like a it was only like a couple months or something. Mm. But um then at the end you like you know you finish and you're like okay now you've got this sort of certification. And I don't think it's really anything official but you know it's just like this is you know you did this class? Yeah,
0: you, you care could, enough to like
1: do yeah, a class. Yeah, you, you're it. you're quick. You know, you're so someone could hire you and be like, this person like is going to be fast. Sick. And initially, the first bar I worked at, it was it wasn't super fast paced. It was busy enough, but then when it really kicked in was like that. I was pretty much a last bartender at that bar as it was like going to close. Mm-hmm. So when it was closing everybody decided to come to the bar and I was literally the only bartender there <laughs> so I had to just really put that to the test and that's when I really started to like get fast Sick. and then I went to go work at this karaoke bar that had like high volumes especially on the weekends and I, I was able to always stay on on top of it there you know go. because I I knew how to do that and so for me I'd, I'd rather do that because I don't care about making something that you know is like <laughs> super fancy and like yeah. you know has a bunch of different flavor notes because Damn. that's not something I I enjoy I'm like, but I do like the the challenge of like making a lot of drinks super fast
0: Dude, yeah. So you're like a you're like an athletic bartender. Yeah. <laughs> you have like a coach like running you through drills jock. and stuff. Yeah, you're <laughs> jock. I'm a bartending jock. That's funny. I, well, I never knew that that field existed, or that you could like get training and specifically bartending fast. So I learned something today. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, most of the bartenders I work with, none of them had any sort of like training or anything yeah. like that. They just learn from doing it, doing it, or like being around it, or friends, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did learn from other people in terms of like making other drinks and, you know, finessing things a little bit. My my friend Dave, he is the one that got me first two jobs in bartending. Um, he was doing it for a while. He skated. And so he was like, oh, they're looking to hire a bartender over here. And then he kind of got me in there, which is really hard to get a, It's really hard to get a bartending job in New York, especially at like a, a bar that does well because everybody's trying to bartend in New York city, Mm -hmm. you know? So if you don't have a way to get your foot in the door, you could have all that training and never use it. Um, I got, I was fortunate. So shout
0: out to Dave. Yeah. Appreciate it, Dave. (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah. Because of Dave, you, uh, made a lot of money. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, it was, it was was good. And I it was just, you know, I was at that last bar for the last six years and it was just It was comfortable, you know, it's like, I knew I was consistently going to make decent money and I could, had a lot of like flexibility in terms of going places and doing things. Yeah. And it let me focus on stoops also.
0: For sure. Shocked myself. Um, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay. Um, is my audio okay? Yeah, we're good. Uh, word. So, um, yeah, I, I noticed like the first issue of Stoops was kind of like exclusively New York themed and then you kind of branched out from there. So tell me about like what was going on in New York when you first decided that, you know, getting into skate media was something you wanted to do.
1: So at the time, I wouldn't say I was a skate photographer. I don't even, uh, I struggle with like even consider myself that now. I didn't... Sh- shoot much you know i was shooting photos mostly film photos and i was just shooting like stuff that i was around stuff that i liked Mm -hmm. occasionally i would just happen to shoot a skate photo just because i was in the right place at the right time yeah Um, but i was helping my friend alan ying who uh, was doing 43 magazine i'm not sure if you're familiar with that um so he's He's probably one of the better photographers skate photographers to to come out of New York Uh, and I was seeing his photos from back when I was still in college in New York. There was this website called Metrospective um, which eventually became official New York and there was like forums there and so a bunch of us locals in New York would always be on them and he would sometimes share some of his photos and they were super good and this was like early in his career too and I used to ask him about what he's shooting with, what he's doing, you know, kind of like nerding out like that. But I wasn't on escape uh, Perception or anything like that. It was just this hmm. New York forum, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but eventually I became friends with him and uh, started helping. So he started 43 Magazine, which was was basically a square format magazine. And huh. he, he would shoot a lot of film. Uh, sometimes he would shoot digital too, but it was mostly film. And then he was getting... Really sick photos from like so many different people. And so I was helping him originally in, on the like ad side because he had no idea what, what to do there. And then helping him a little bit on the content side as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And then talking. Well, so, how, how did that work with you? Like, I guess, did your background in marketing like kind of allow you to like navigate getting ads for this mag? Like, Because I'm just trying to think, like, that's one of the things that stood out when I first started looking through Stoops is, like, your ad reach is, like, pretty insane for kind of a smaller operation. I mean, you've got ads from, like, Vans and Quasi and, like, a lot of really big companies right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it definitely helps uh, as far as, like, positioning
1: and stuff. One of the things I've struggled with the most is just reach. mm -hmm. I just don't have it and I haven't had it. So, that's... Uh, so g- with that being said, I had, like, I understand our, the, the demographic I have, like the, the people that read Stoops and the value that they have and just basically being able to like translate that mm-hmm. because Stoops isn't, doesn't have the reach that Thrasher has, obviously. <laughs> it doesn't have the reach that even like a Skate John has mm-hmm. um, because that's a free magazine, right? So it's, yeah cheap easy to make easy to distribute and um and it's free because they they have like a bunch of different advertisers uh that kind of pay for the printing of it and so any skate shop that they'll send it to will basically take it right yeah uh stoops isn't quite there (laughs) because it Mm. costs a lot to make the magazine like each one i print you know it's it's priced a little bit higher. So in order to make the money back at the price it higher and as a result, I'm not going to have the same reach because skate shops actually have to buy it. Yeah. Which is a challenge because, you know, we're in a time right now where people like skaters aren't really buying print media. It's not part of what mm-hmm. part of the culture anymore. It's not part of what you were doing. You know, like when I was younger, it was, you skate videos. A few skate videos came out every year and then you had the magazines yeah. and you had a bunch of magazines too. And so you get subscriptions or you go to the shop and buy them or you can even go to Barnes and Noble if you not have a shop near you. Or if you're in some random town you're like, Oh, I want the new, uh, big brother. Like, let me go find it in the bookstore or something mm. like that.
0: And, uh, well i was amazed that i looked on your website it was only six bucks for like the product that i was holding in my hands like i know how much printing costs and i like you know getting it bound and everything and like properly done and presented professionally in my opinion that's like a 25 dollar book you know like i was really really amazed at the quality for i'm not even trying to like make this some corny like advertisement for stoops but I'm just curious as to how that works. And so I guess you do make enough through ads to kind of like help supplement some of the cost.
1: Yeah. The ads
0: do supplement some of it. I,
1: um, I'm not really making even at $6 like that barely covers the cost of the magazine. Yeah. You know, and I used to charge eight for it, you know, in case there were, you know, I didn't sell all of them, you know, some of them would kind of make up for it and I could at least try to break even. But It's always a struggle, you know, issue to issue, you know, especially if I don't have any ads. So there were a couple issues that didn't have ads, uh, issue four and five, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, I printed less of them as a result and then they, but they ended up selling out. Um, and people, I I think are still looking for those, but I just didn't (laughs) have enough. And people are like, are you going to reprint that? Because, you know, people that are started a collection of it, they're like, I'm missing these, these issues and I'm like, well, I can't. It's gonna cost me too much to reprint them, you know. To like not, yeah. And if I don't sell out because it's an older issue, so there's like only only those collectors are really looking for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it would wouldn't be cost effective for me to reprint it.
0: Yeah, of know. course. Um, And I noticed the stack that you gave me was missing a couple of issues. So yeah,
1: four, five, and six. Yeah, <laughs> those are they're the in simple.
0: high demand, huh?
1: Yeah, it was just it. It's a supply chain issue. <laughs> <laughs> Sure.
0: Uh, But well yeah, that's why when I met up with you briefly at Matheson, I was like, Oh dude, I feel bad. I can't like buy these off you. I assumed they were gonna be like twenty bucks plus. Like I'm totally gonna buy like I'll I'll fucking (laughs) I'll totally give you six dollars for the latest issue. I mean that's that's nothing. Just to the listeners, take it from me, like this is some really cool shit. And it's almost like a novelty thing for a magazine to still exist in twenty twenty two. Um is that kind of like something that's really important to you to hang on to that uh, form of media?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always liked collecting things, and mm-hmm. I've tried to kind of curb that a little bit, uh, but I really do like printed media. When I was a kid, I used to just save every magazine I had. At some point, living in New York, you you know, you're in small spaces, small apartments. It got to be too much to be taking them from place to place so I started just ripping out pages for my magazines the ones that I really wanted to keep you know I would just be like I need to keep this and I'll just rip that out and so uh, it got to a point now where that's what I'll do like I'll keep a full magazine if there's specific things in it like a lot of things in it or like a certain feature in it or if I'm in it or something like I'll keep those full magazines but for the most part I'll just like rip out what I wanted and then so when I was starting Stoops, I was like, I want every magazine to be one of those ones that you don't rip anything out. Cause you're like, I want this whole magazine, you know? Yeah. So that was, that was one of the biggest challenges because it's like, you want to have enough photos that are super sick that it's not easy to just select certain pages to rip right. out. Right. And obviously that's very subjective so like what mm-hmm. I see as being that versus someone else and not every issue is my choice in that matter right. obviously it won't be the same for everybody but I would like to think so you know I would like to think someone flipping through it, it's not going to be like I'm just going to rip out this page or these few pages because mm-hmm. I get really bummed when I flip through a magazine like another magazine and there's only a couple pages that I want to rip out I like when I have trouble being like am I going to have to keep this whole magazine and a lot of magazines, especially like in Europe do a really good job of that, Hmm. you know, solo gray vague. Okay. Um, free skate mag. Like sometimes you you're just like, I got to keep this whole magazine. There's too much good stuff in there. Sick. You know, versus, I mean, the thrashers like, you know, that's just kind of like the go to magazine, but and there's a lot of great photos in Thrasher, there's a lot of pages in Thrasher too. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, you'll, you'll rip out not as many.
0: Well, to your point of, um, you know, your, your vision for the magazine of like being something you can kind of like enjoy as a whole, I I definitely picked up on how every issue kind of has like a theme that unifies it in a way. Um, and I thought that that was like a really clever way to go about sort of, marketing the mag because like it makes you curious as to what the next one's going to be so definitely one that stood out to me was uh, issue three where there's a lavish looking woman on the front holding the frame where the skate photo is you kind of continue that theme of like I guess for lack of a better word like models like supplemented in with the skaters like kind of in the layout holding the frames Um, to those who don't know what I'm talking about go buy a copy. It's rad. Um, so how do you go about kind of picking what the theme is going to be for the magazine? Like every Um, time a new issue comes around?
1: Well, I usually have a a plan ahead of time. Uh, so I'll kind of think out the next few issues and just say like, what what do I want to cover? And then when can I plan those out? You know, when, when will be a good time to do those? And sometimes those themes don't end up working out for me and I have to change them, um, yeah. or just have to modify them. So when I first started Stoops, it was all New York city for the first four issues. It was only everything was in shot in New York city. And that was kind of part of what I want, why I wanted to do it. Cause I saw New York in skate media pretty often, but I didn't like the way that it was portrayed. Cause like being someone that was living in New York for so long, you just see, this isn't New York City skateboarding. This is New York City City skate tourism. You know, it's like, it's the same spots. People go into, you know, a lot of tricks, it's a lot of the same tricks that have been done already and all that sort of stuff. So I was, like, I wanted to give a a side and perspective of New York City skateboarding from somebody there, you know, Mm -hmm. that that knows a little bit more about it. Um, And then started to work out themes within that overarching theme and then when I left New York it was a matter of all right well I can't keep doing it all New York City Magazine not being in New York so that's when I decided to to expand it oh actually not the first four issues the first five issues were all New York City okay because the fifth one I worked on I was still working on when I moved to LA but I had started in New York and then still had gotcha you know all the elements there yeah
0: so, um so do you think that the um kind of the philosophy behind the first issue was like to represent skateboarding in new york that was a little more underrepresented in the mainstream media i wouldn't say underrepresented misrepresented misrepresented
1: gotcha um and then uh, especially not being in new york anymore and then just it just being a little too broad i was like i really need to start honing in on these uh Mm -hmm. these themes a little bit better uh just so that it kind of gives some cohesiveness to the whole issue, and it's not just like here's skateboarding in some format, you know. <laughs> like I wanted to to things to tie together, you know. And not yeah. and everything. So there might be a theme. Every photo in the issue might not tie directly to that theme because we have a gallery and stuff like that as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, I try to have as much overlap as I can, but sometimes you're just like, you know, I want it at least in that section to be able to put in just cool yeah. photos because. The whole thing is like quality, right? I don't want to just put something out just because it fits that theme. Yep. And that was the issue. So there was a a big lapse, I think, between issue three and four. And the reason for that was because I didn't have the content that I needed. Interesting. And I was like, you know what? I don't have any ads set up for this issue. I'm just going to hold off. <laughs> and for for issue off, four? for issue four and held off and held off and ended up being a long time. Um, and, but I ended up putting it together, but I get a lot of photos and I wouldn't say that they're all up to the standard that I want them to be. So I won't Mm -hmm. put them in just because I need the photos.
0: Yeah. Uh, what about issue four? Like, do you think made this sort of content drought where like you weren't getting what you were looking for were you going for like sort of a theme that was just like too hard to pin down uh, like too many photos missing the mark
1: I think around that time certain photographers certain contributors I was getting like a lot of good stuff from I was not really getting anything from anymore because they started working for like the other brands where they had to you know focus all their content on those brands or hmm. I mean it was mostly based around that you know they were just like we need to start putting this content or shooting specifically for these things so I wasn't really getting that or a lot of the people that I've been tapping because since all the photos were shot in New York City you already have a limited pool right Mm -hmm. and so a lot of the photos that people had in their like reservoir I had kind of already gone through at that point so now it was a matter of new photos coming in and a lot of people weren't shooting photos in New York at that time especially a lot of skaters weren't trying to get photos at the time you know like certain skaters i wanted to feature I'm like you have any photos they're like no i'm not i don't really know any photographers i'm like well i could try Shit. to link you up but that was always hard too it's just what used to be part of a skater especially a sponsor skater's mind was like you need to go get photos isn't really the case anymore because mm-hmm. where are their photos going you yeah. know so now it's more of like let's go get some some content for Instagram, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a very different Let's mindset now. Up. Yeah, you're not Shit. trying to film a video part and get an interview or get a photo in the magazine or whatever. It's mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get some some likes.
0: Yeah. The the tides of skateboarding are constantly evolving, you know. <laughs> um but that's what makes something like a stoop stand out. It's like you're kind of like rooting yourself in tradition and respecting the ways of the past like having a physical product that you can experience is something that's lost on social media and web content same with like still photos you know i, I guess like if you scroll th- through instagram like you will find some skate photos but yeah. you're not able to like appreciate them in a layout you know see like the gloss of the ink you know like feel like f- what the paper feels like yeah i guess for lack of a better word that's like one of the reasons why i was intrigued by what you've got going on and why I thought you'd be like a sick person to sit down and, and pick your brain about. Let's, uh, I guess we'll go kind of chronologically. I didn't get a chance to like read everything but I got the gist of each of the issues and there was a lot that stood out to me. Um, so issue one going back to the theme of like misrepresented skateboarding uh i was super intrigued by the article about uh pool skating in new york Uh, yeah because again that's just something that the average layman who only sees new york skating from the outside wouldn't consider or wouldn't think about um where do you get these ideas like and do you have i know you have writers that kind of work for you um I wouldn't say anybody works for me. I mean, I'm pretty much
1: the only (laughs) full-time... Well, no, I have a copy editor um, who makes the magazine actually come across way more professional than it would have. But uh, we're pretty much the two consistent people on every
0: issue. Yeah. Yeah. It it looks like it would have been, like, a bigger operation. Um, (laughs) And especially, I, I mean, you do have, like Uh, the name that stands out to me is Ted Barrow. Like it looks like he's done a couple of, like he's done a couple of articles. So do you kind of like staff out like featured writers or guest editors, anything like that? Uh, yeah. So I, I have people that I do tap when I,
1: when possible, you know, Ted's great. I've known Ted for a long time and he's, he's written stuff for a few issues of stoops over the years. Otherwise it's just kind of comes down to what I want to do features on and who I could get to do that it's I don't know a ton of writer like good writers that are skateboarders honestly and it's a really (laughs) challenging thing because I know a ton of skateboarders but you know there's there's some that write too but it's not quite what I want you know Mm -hmm. so it's and that's always hard especially if it's someone you know and they're like oh can I write for it well it's
0: not, yeah. you're like
1: it's no. not what I want, really, <laughs> but um and that's always i mean that's that is a very hard thing, knowing so many people in skateboarding and then not you know you get submitted photos from people that you know and you're like, I can't run this, mm-hmm. and just trying to that whole rejection thing is always tough um Shit, yeah, but when you do have people that you know you can expect quality from it's it's great to be able to to tap into them a lot mm-hmm. um or when possible uh, but as a result i end up writing a lot of stuff myself not that i'm the best writer but at least i know i could get yeah. across what i want you know in the way that i want uh to a certain degree sometimes i read things after the fact i'm like oh why did I word that that way? Or, or uh, other times yeah. I'll read something like, Oh, that came out better than I thought it did. You know? So it goes either way, but mm-hmm. in the end, my copy editor, Megan. She's, she'll call me out on things all the time too, especially sociopolitical things too. <laughs> Sometimes she'll be like, mm, you might not want to word that that way, or you might want to rethink talking about that or whatever it is. Yeah. So she catches me in a lot of my, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> no. why you,
0: that's why you keep her around, huh? Oh, she's the best. I've known her since I was
1: like 16.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sick. But I mean, yeah, sounds like you're running a tight ship with pretty much just you and her, like coming up with the majority of what I would describe as like the concept work, like what things you want to hit on, like how you want to tie it on together, who you want to feature and why. Um, so I commend your efforts that it, it came, it, it all seems to come together really well. Um, especially in the sense of like, even an idiot like me can kind of pick up on the nuances and the themes and like the things that unify the individual issues. Um, so yeah, well fucking done and, uh, listeners gotta go check this out for sure. Um, another one that stood out to me was issue three. I really enjoyed, uh, (laughs) the, uh, the, the discourse on, uh, the moral debate of augmented skate spots versus kind of DIY skate spots and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable in a video part. I thought that was really cool. Like you you do have some, you kind of hit on some really heavy subject matter, but I thought that was like a really fun sort of lighthearted, just kind of skate rat topic that's like really easy for any a skater of any level to relate to
1: yeah and, and obviously our views on things are always changing and morphing and you know throughout our life cycle as skaters and stuff like that too so one of the things I like about writing about or writing in the magazine is being able to look back on things later and be like okay this is where I was in this headspace at this time and then mm-hmm. you know in, sometimes you are exactly the same You're like, okay that was years back and it's nothing's changed other times it, it has so it's obviously I'm not any specific authority on anything I just yeah. like to write from my my perspective I'm just well, that's like kind of the you know of I have it. yeah I, I'm no more authority than you or whoever's listening to this yeah. is so it's just just my just yeah, my voice is it. my little platform <laughs>
0: yeah I, I'm the same way I'll say some shit that people like Just totally clowned me for and I'm like, Well, it's my opinion, you got yours, so start your own podcast. I'm gonna (laughs) get the fuck off. (laughs) Uh, where do you personally consider too much DIY to exist in a video part? Where would you draw the line? Would you throw a ledge clip at Eastland in your video part or nah?
1: I would not, but I also don't really skate ledges too much. (laughs) So (laughs) I I would I mean, that that's a hard thing. You know, I mean, DIYs are really cool because there is a lot of really interesting and unique obstacles there that would be cool in a video part. Um, but I feel like it, a lot of it comes down to the trick too. Hmm. You know, if you could do, I mean, if you watch Dyshawne skate Eastland, <laughs> like, I could see any of that in a video part. I would watch that video part. Oh, yeah. But then there's a lot of, you know, you go to Eastland you see a lot of dudes out there ripping too where you're like, that's cool, but I wouldn't watch that in a video part, you know? So Mm -hmm. it really just comes down to how you're skating. And I think more than like what you're skating, um, just because I feel like style and creativity aren't as constrained as just ability, you know? So like being able to do that anywhere, you know, any sort of creative trick or just stuff that just looks really sick. You can get
0: away with a lot more. That's deep. Yeah. Do you, uh, I mean, I know that you've had a couple of video parts. I was able to watch one of them. Um, and that's kind of something that stood out to me is like, you're not going for the the technical virtuosity. Like you're not attempting the hardest tricks. You're like, where can I do this trick to make it look the sickest? Do you fashion yourself like a, a spot finding connoisseur? I really appreciate spots. Spots make
1: the clip for sure. I mean, definitely for me, at least uh, in the way I skate, a lot of times I just like to find cool spots and be like, what can I do on it versus like, I need to find somewhere to do this trick. Sometimes I do. Like sometimes I'll have a trick. I'm like, I need to find somewhere cool to do this, you know? And I, I mean, I'll find places to do it, but sometimes I'm just like, if I just did that trick at, you know, some, boring looking spot it's probably not going to be so sick <laughs> yeah. but if i find something cool to do
0: it on it it will do you ever go out like just to look for spots
1: oh yeah all the time
0: what's your biggest I, uh, or one of your most favorite spot come-ups i'm you can dwell on that for a minute i know yeah. you got them though
1: there's just some, I mean, if I think about it and then I think about over the years and I think about, start thinking about spots I've found in New York and then I start thinking about spots. I've just come up in random places around the world. It's, it's really hard cause there's so many sick spots like that. I've just come across so much. I, I guess I've been fortunate enough to just come across so many cool spots yeah. everywhere. Um, if you're talking specifically in Charlotte, there are a couple of clips in my new, that part in the street Jesus video, um, that just came out that are in this looks like an industrial graveyard you know there's old gnarly um banked dumpsters and there's a full pipe and well Uh it's it's really a silo that's kind of leaning over and you got to crawl through this little hole to get into it and light it up with a generator and stuff like that um so like those sort of spots are really cool
0: yeah Um, how'd you how'd you
1: find that i well i built this one spot right down the road from it. So it was this bank to barrier. Um, the bank to barrier existed, except the bank was a little bit shorter and there was a curb right in front of it. And first I went there and like dug it, dug out in front of the curb. Cause there's like tons of dirt and rock and debris there mm-hmm. just to kind of suss it out. And then I went there with my nephew and had him help me mix a ton of concrete and just like made it. I put some brick in front, put the the cement over So we kind of had like a ramp up to it. And so while working on that, I kind of seen this other thing, like just up the block. And so went over there, kind of parked, jumped over this like retaining wall thing and went exploring. It's like, well, this stuff's super sick. Not super easy to skate, but it was really cool. Yeah. Very unique. I mean, Charlotte has a bunch of stuff like that. You yeah. he talked to most of the dudes at Eastland. They're like, Charlotte doesn't have any spots. But when I brought my friends over here to kind of finish working on the, on this video, we're like, okay, it's kind of our last filming mission for it. And uh, a couple of the guys came from, well, one guy came from Oklahoma and a couple of guys came from LA and they were blown away. They're like, Charlotte's got spots, but I've been stacking spots since I've been here. I've just been like keeping a list of just taking pictures of a little, um, sick album in my, my phone where I was just like, yeah. here, let's go through these things and see what you guys want to hit. And there's a lot of stuff here. You just got to look at things a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. I guess yeah. you gotta open your eyes a little bit more than, you know, just the standard rail ledge stuff yeah but charlotte also got a lot of rails which is crazy
0: yeah dude i've got a good one and i'm really upset that nobody's like taking interest to this spot but I, I grew up in davidson which is like 20 minutes up the road from here uh it's north kind of lake norman area and uh this is maybe two or three years ago me and my friends were just kind of like walking around in the woods and we we're bored and just wanted to be outside so we're walking around in the woods and davidson the Davidson's a place where like I feel like I've skated every square inch of concrete that there is there and there's nothing left to find but so we're just goofing off and these are guys that don't even skate and we just pop out of the woods somewhere that I'd never been before and it was behind this kind of looked like a old, like gutted office building or something like that. I don't really know what the building is, but it wasn't in use. And there's like a truck ramp that goes down. And on the side of the ramp is like a China bank that starts out mellow. And then it gradually gets steeper as the hill goes down. And it makes like this insane natural China bank spot. And it's really, really sick. And I've only skated it with I've only had, like, one real session on it, but we legitimately got, like, some really good clips there, nice. and that spot has a ton of potential. So, if you're interested, I'm, definitely I'm trying totally to trying to, to show, <laughs> I, I want, yeah, I want somebody to skate that thing and get a clip on it, because it's, like, a completely, it's, like, a total anomaly that it's there. It makes no sense, but it's, like, the best skate spot I've ever found, just randomly walking so around.
1: I'm going to get ready to go out there with me. <laughs> He'll get some too. Who? Ray. Oh, yeah. Adams? Let's go, Ray.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what they got on it. Nolly Tray. <laughs> just... Nolly tray. <laughs> How
1: steep is this bank?
0: It's pretty damn steep, but, but Ray's a claimer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ray, I still haven't seen that Nolly Tray on the Eastland Gap. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Shots fired.
0: <laughs> All right, cool. So where are we at in the Stoops timeline? Uh, briefly touched on uh, Ted Barrow's little little bit on DIYs. Uh, so it, was it episode or sorry, was it issue five that you said the mag kind of like took off and expanded out of New York? Uh,
1: issue five was the last one in. Uh, that was all New York City. Mm-hmm. Issue six was our first issue. Uh, that expanded outside of New York.
0: And were you living in LA when issue 6 came out? Yeah. Gotcha. And so
1: that was my first issue with the guest editor. So my friend Darnell Scott, who I known and was skating with in New York, he had moved to LA maybe 2 years before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I reached out to him about guest editing because this issue and the, the theme was specific to black skateboarders right. and so obviously I can't be the editor of a magazine <laughs> about black skateboarders I'm not a black skateboarder um, and so I worked with him in terms of like I guess shaping that issue and and kind of getting it together the way that we wanted it to sure to happen
0: yeah there, there's a lot to be said for like acknowledging your shortcomings and realizing what your boundaries are and like working around that and bringing somebody else in who knows what's going on more so than you. Yeah. And that was um, the first issue where I wasn't the editor. So it was, right I mean, right. I was
1: still an editor. I was still producing it and getting everything together for it. But in as far as like the vision wasn't mine mm-hmm. was outside of just
0: like the yeah. con- overall concept. Yeah, Right on. Yeah. So, um, basically just taking the mag from the level of kind of like only doing it in New York. And then all of a sudden you're out in LA. Did that just like open you up to all sorts of different types of content? Like now, like the photos don't have to come from one certain place. Like did that open the door to like a lot of better, potentially like higher quality content? Yeah. It made things so much easier (laughs) because there are so
1: many sick photographers, photographers that I, whose work I've been following I've wanted to work with for a long time, but I haven't been able to because they're not shooting in New York, you know, or they, they're a lot of them never even been to New York or if they did go to New York, it was on a trip for a company and they needed to use those photos for whatever it was. You know, sometimes I would get lucky and someone would just be there and shooting some photos and have some that they could send me. But for the most part I was super limited in what, who I could get photos from, uh, who I get photos of and just, keep you know I had to keep that quality up so that will make it hard to hit deadlines sometimes yeah uh, and now I have photos coming from all over the world you know so yeah. there's photographers in Japan and Europe all over the U.S. and Canada wherever so it's not as hard to get photos it's actually really hard what makes it hard now is like narrowing the photos down sometimes True. because
0: yeah
1: I mean I still get a lot of Garbage photos, but I get a lot of really sick photos too. And sometimes I get really bummed that I have to turn down photos that are really sick because I have too many really <laughs> sick photos. You know, <laughs> I'm like, maybe I could use it the next issue if it's damn still it. available, but it probably won't be. <laughs> like my fucking
0: um, magazine is too sick. God, damn it. <laughs> there's I get a lot of really sick photos. Yeah, well, good problem to have, I'd say.
1: Yeah, it's way better than in New York, where I didn't get a lot. It was it was a struggle to get really mm-hmm. a bunch of really sick photos.
0: Yeah. So how do you uh, how do you set deadlines? Being that it's kind of just like an independent thing, you're it's, you're not like making a living off of it or anything. How do you manage like your stress load? And it's hard.
1: Yeah. Um, so it was supposed to originally be quarterly it was never really quarterly until, uh, really until going to LA. And then I was finally able to, well, basically expanding outside of New York made it a little easier as far as the content. And then, so it was a matter of like managing my own time, uh, which sometimes could be hard, but, um, and then the time I could dedicate to soups really just depends on what's going on and in, in my life. And, um, you know, LA, I feel like everything's a little bit slower, you know? So sure. it was, yeah. I definitely had more time than I did in New York. Um, so I was able to kind of get it back to, to being on the, the frequency it was supposed to be on.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's one thing I've noticed about New York. I've only been there one time. Like, so obviously that one experience like shaped my whole perception of what it's like. But the one thing I remember is that like, nobody's chilling everybody's on the go everybody's got something they're doing it's like time is precious people are talking fast they're like moving fast everything is just like zooming by whereas i'm used to just like a chill slow pace of life in the south you know it was a big kind of shock at first
1: that's been my struggle here actually is that everybody's too slow. slow oh nice oh it's all good um landed landed perfectly yeah. Bolts, if you will.
0: Um,
1: if a photo just fell for those th- listening. Yeah. And
0: it landed upside yeah, down. He landed and he's still pushing.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah. When I moved to LA, also, it was a little bit of a struggle because things were so slow. And then things got real much more slow when I came here. But in New York, there's just so much. To do and so much you have to do, and also the cost of living is high. You know, you got to keep up with a certain lifestyle. It's like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta work, yeah. you gotta hustle, you gotta make money, and so you know, it's even in even if you have a main job, a lot of times you have other jobs too. Like I, I work did all kinds of jobs. You know, some of them would only be you know certain times of the year. Some of them would be throughout the year. Some of them would be as I wanted or needed. So. You, know, you always had stuff to do on top of also tr- making time to skate and stuff mm-hmm. like that as well um it made it hard for me to really go shoot too because when i had that time I'm like i want to go skate i don't want to go shoot someone else skating you know yeah you like, get really bummed being like it's such a nice day and i'm behind the lens i should be skating but you know <laughs> you do it you i'm like i want to i want to get this photo or whatever yeah. But it, that, that's been a big struggle for me.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well, I don't know. Stick around long enough. Maybe you'll just get lazy like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you do keep hard. yourself busy, though. Um, man, where'd you find... Uh, I guess... Yeah, so where'd you find all the stuff you've been dropping off at Matheson? I heard you, like, demoed some... Was it a playground?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, wor- I work in construction. So, you know, we, we do... Uh, salvage some things that we we take out but also there's just stuff that's just been sitting in our construction yard or or just stuff that's just extra from work you know so like the other day I went out there some of the stuff I had put out there it's so like that the, the slide and the the bench and the the little bank 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 to bank thing or whatever yeah like those you know I, those are stuff that I just brought from the yard but uh, like the, the bench I've been wanting to put up for a while. I just hadn't had time to go out there. And then the other day I put it out, um, just put it in the ground. And then I'm working a job like three blocks from there. And I had some concrete, I put some concrete down the other day and I just kept a couple buckets. I just put some in some five gallon buckets. I was like, I'm going to go use it to like secure that bench. (laughs) So I just, I just like, took off i'm like guys i'm gonna i am be, be gone for half an hour and i just like yeah. went over there and just started putting the concrete on there before it, it set too much and then went back to work from there and then went there after work just to
0: yeah that's dedication check it make sure everything was good so when you're at work you're thinking about how else you can work when you're not at work Oh, of course. It's a lot of work. That's <laughs> good shit, man. You're a steward of the game, and I'm sure Matheson will blow up here in a little bit and people will catch on. <laughs> you were doing it first.
1: Oh, uh, I was not doing it first. <laughs>
0: All right, well...
1: Maybe, like, eighth or whatever. I don't know how many people <laughs> were putting stuff in there, but... That's funny. <laughs> I will not take any, make any claims of Matheson. It's not, not my spot, but I, like... I like going there just because I don't like skating crowded places, so sometimes I go mm-hmm. to Eastland and I just yeah. I can't really quite enjoy it, you know, maybe after oh, yeah. a while I'll start to kind of put my toes in the water, but I like going I don't skate Eastland that much, but if I do, I'll usually go early in the mornings like on the weekends where there's nobody there and I could bring the dog and stuff yeah uh, but I I feel that I, I don't really like going there when it's crowded or if I do it's just to kind of hang out and not yeah skate because yeah I don't
0: want to people we have very similar sentiments on Eastland it's like great spot glad it's there love it but holy shit I get so frustrated when I if there's more than like 10 people skating it at a time yeah just like so hard for me to get into the zone I'm trying to be in
1: yeah usually if I go there I'm like I want to try one specific trick. And of course it's always like not in the flow of traffic or whatever it
0: is. And oh, yeah, I, I you, get, you, you skate kind of wacky. I could see you like trying to do some weird like side hits or something.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of things where I'm kind of going through the stream and I just, <laughs> I get really bummed out cause I'm like, I feel like I'm messing other people up and, but I also like have to wait so long between each try as a result and I'm not really getting in the zone or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. But you you had a nice little ode to Charlotte in one of the issues of Stoops. Um, oh, yeah. I think that was, I don't remember which one it was, but, um, I mean, do you think that Charlotte skaters could be a little more, like, explorative and, and appreciate the spots that we do have instead of sitting on our asses at Eastland and complaining <laughs> that there are no spots? <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, it's really, I mean, maybe this is the case with a lot of small towns like Charlotte, but... I just feel like most of the scene is made up of Eastland. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. when are you going to be at Eastland? You know, like you look at, at, you know, whatever random skater in North Carolina or in Charlotte's Instagram profile and all the little thumbnails are Eastland. You're like Eastland, 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 Eastland. Like all their videos, all their posts are at Eastland. You're like, did they have anything not at Eastland? Uh, but the thing is like these skate skaters are so good. There's so many good skateboarders <laughs> skating there. And you're like, you're like wasting how good you are by being there. Nah. And maybe they're so good cause they are there yeah, all that's the time. The, that's the TF. You know? But <laughs> you know, there's so many that are just ripping. And I know some of them aren't there all the time, you know, like some, sometimes you'll see them go out and skate street too. But you know, I feel like there, there definitely is a lot of, of, clip potential to be unlocked nice uh, but I I do like seeing certain skaters skate regardless if it's at Eastland or not here there, yeah. there's a lot of really good guys here like okay. I said Dyshawn's super sick I really like watching Chris Fresh skate too he's so sick
0: Chris Fresh he, I know who that is he God works damn. at
1: Black Sheep I don't know if his last name is oh, actually oh, Fresh yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's like Instagram's Chris Fresh
0: that dude yes yep. Yeah
1: holy shit that guy's good he has like the sickest style, and he could like he could skate anything
0: yeah so dope love it he's got that like cannonball form factor he's kind of like smaller but explosive yeah Yeah. it's cool man yeah i remember he skates
1: gnarly rails he skates tranny he could like he can kill
0: it yeah shout out chris fresh whatever your real name is
1: (laughs) (laughs) whatever your real last name is i have no idea
0: sick all right, um, I I just this is kind of a random question, but on a few of your interviews or on a few of your mags, you would have like this is the not a certain person interview, and it just wouldn't be an interview. Is yeah. that because they bailed out last minute?
1: No, um well kind of the first yeah so there's two of those the first one yes was so, that, was it Elijah Burl? Elijah Burl yeah so he was supposed to do <laughs> Dan, an did interview. He cool guy you yeah he cool guy this he Fuck. was like um, I actually don't want to do the interview um, but the photos were super sick and I was like I don't because if I don't do an interview then I can't run multiple photos of this person you know it's like it's <laughs> weird to have multiple photos without one so I'm like well this is going to be not an interview so it's think of it as just a photo interview right so it's it's an interview with all the photos but with no words Dude. and I, I thought it kind of came out sick yeah. and then with uh, Ryan Thompson it was, it was different I never even asked him for an interview that the issue there was that um, Dana McAlister sent over a bunch of really sick photos of him. Almost sort was like you almost have to do an interview, but it was kind of late in the game, and I'd already had the issue mostly filled out, and it was, and I had to like pull a lot of photos I was going to use to put in some mm-hmm. of his photos, not just Ryan Thompson. He sent me like a bunch. Like if you look at that issue, you'll see that there was actually a lot of photos mm-hmm. of his, but the, you, the the mag that issue was almost filled by the time he sent me those. So I had pulled out a lot of photos to squeeze those in.
0: Yeah. Um, um, sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but that just prompts the question. Do you set like a page limit?
1: Yeah. So I try to keep it consistent, but sometimes... Um, I'll make it more so like issues seven or eight Uh, I made it I like added 20 pages because I have way too much stuff where I was like I can't not use some of this stuff because if I don't use it it's going to be used somewhere else I'm like I really want to use it (laughs) so I just kind of bit the bullet and like went you know usually 64 pages I'm like I'm gonna go 84 pages with this one yeah, that,
0: um, that seems like that would be the hardest part. It's like filtering everything down and like getting rid of the stuff that doesn't make the cut. Yeah. When you could just make like a 300 page magazine and it would be, it would all be sick. But then it's like, you know, your costs would get super high. And then if you People set the probably, bar
1: and then you're like, now I got to yeah. do another 300 page one. And then you don't have the content, you know, and Shit. that that makes it hard. But... Yeah, the Ryan Thompson one. It was more of I just didn't have the space. I'm like, if I want to use all those photos, I'd I wouldn't have space for words. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, knew I had done that before with Elijah. Yeah, yeah.
0: You you turned it into like
1: a little. Want to do it again? You know, but this time intentionally. You know, like starting intentionally because all those photos were sick. Like, Like he he's really good, and I know too much about him. minus being like a Texas skater, um, skating for Roger or whatever. But I thought it was, the photos were just
0: too sick to pass up. So I decided to do another one. That's a good story. We call that creative agility. (laughs) (laughs) And how dare Elijah Burrell, cool guy you.
1: Uh, I don't want to say he like cool guys. I feel like he was just, and this, we get this somewhat often is that sometimes you're just someone's just kind of, I guess, oversaturating themselves in the media and they don't want to just do the same interview over and over. So sometimes if they've just done another interview or something like that, they're, they they do not want to keep doing them. So they'll like not too much it. coverage. Yeah, yeah. Cause he, and I think that was the case with him. I think something, some part had come out or something. He had just done a couple interviews and, and I understand it. You yeah, know, You don't, You've already done these other ones for like more known mags. Like why well, you got to do another one for uh you know, a magazine that you don't even know.
0: Right. So you haven't been on any big time podcasts lately.
1: <laughs> no podcast.
0: We're not oversaturating you right now. We're no. not devaluing you, your brand.
1: <laughs> no. I mean, my last interview was at, in vague, uh, magazine.
0: Yeah. And tell us a little about about vague. I don't know much about it.
1: Vague super sick. So they're out of the UK. Um, they sure exactly when they started, they started after stoops, uh, but they've been more consistent. You know, they, they have like an actual team and there's like multiple people working on it and they're mm-hmm. putting out a good product. It's cool. Cause you get to see a little bit of like those, the like smaller UK scenes and stuff like that. Um, I don't know a whole lot about UK skateboarding. I've never been over there. Um, and I, I've i been reading Gray Magazine, which is another UK magazine. Cool. Um, and then other, I mean, what was it? Kingpin that was out of there. There's uh, Free Skate Mag has, I don't know if they're actually based out of there. I think they're based out of there, out of the UK. I'm pretty sure I
0: they are. I don't know either, but I know but, they have a, like legit web presence too like free skate mags not all print
1: yeah but it, it's cool to just kind of like get an insight into those like little pockets and stuff and so vegas from like a i think a little bit more north it's like it's not out of london i think they're like mm-hmm. out of like manchester or somewhere somewhere
0: up in that area sure I just um, all of uk is one thing to me <laughs> yeah
1: because then there's north Skate Mag 2, but that's out of, like, Scotland. Oh, Grant true. Tate does that, and that's all film, which is super sick.
0: Rad. So how did you... I mean, they're based out of the UK. How did you end up linking up with them? Or like, how did that... Like, basically, why did you end up doing an interview with them?
1: I think I first heard about them when my friend Connor Cameron ended up having an interview with them. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Connor, but he's really... He's, like, the super creative skateboarder. He originally from Florida, but he's been in New York for a long time. And I had mostly started skating with him when I was starting to skate with, uh, you know, Colin Reed. Nope. <laughs> so Colin Reed has made a, a bunch of really amazing skate videos, probably some of the best skate videos ever made. Damn. Um, the last being spirit quest and before okay. that being Tangu. Um, so we would go out on missions filming for those videos and, uh kind of met connor somewhere along the way there and he's mm-hmm. really creative skateboarder uh he's like riding for like magenta for a long time and he's he skates with like daniel kim i don't know if you're familiar with Dan- mm-hmm. you know daniel yeah, kim yeah. so he skates with him a lot now too he's
0: from dc right yeah gotcha okay
1: he does like sting water yeah, sting water.
0: yeah i have a lot of homework to do but i try to somewhat know what i'm talking about (laughs) when it comes to these interviews
1: uh well daniel's (laughs) filming with us for those videos too so that's sick um he had an interview there and then my friend cole giordano he he shoots a lot of stuff for stoops too and i shot a lot of photos with him and so he kind of facilitated that because he had a lot of photos that i've been stacking because i always like to kind of keep photos of of myself just for if i need them for something and then yeah you know we just kind of built up quite a few and i was like filming a part for with another friend that wasn't really for anything in particular we were just filming it mm-hmm. probably should have come out two years before it did come out but um it's my friend uh, dima Dmitry Brylev. he he's in spain now but um he's he's a russian homie <laughs> i just would film with him a lot and we ended up you know, getting enough to be like, well, we have like a full part here pretty much. And so they ended up releasing that with the interview Mm -hmm. uh, or or around the same time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Solid. It sounds like you've got pretty much connections all over the globe at this point. Is a lot of that you think like just due to the magazine or do you personally make it a point to travel internationally a lot?
1: Uh, Most of the travel didn't have anything to do with Stoops because a lot of it was prior to, or even at the time, I mean, Stoops was all New York city skateboarding. So if I went somewhere else and I'm shooting, I was still shooting photos. I would just save them, you know? So a lot of times you'll see since I've like expanded outside of New York, some of my photos will be from, you know, five years ago or something like that. They're just photos that I've been sitting on, didn't ever have a home for. And so now I'm able to finally use them.
0: Yeah. I gotcha. Right on. Um, so we had briefly touched earlier, we said it kind of jokingly, but like, it's kind of a fun thing to like have a platform and what you do with your platform is completely up to you and no one can tell you how to do it. And that's kind of the, like the beauty of it. Right. Um, one thing that really stood out to me was an episode. eight, Or sorry, God I keep saying episode. One, <laughs> it's fine. One thi- that's what you're doing is episode. Oh, All right. One thing this that re- issue. One thing of that the really Lark report. <laughs> yeah, this is. A, I'm gonna do that. That's that's a good idea. All right, but issue eight got super gnarly. The opening words. It was uncomfortable, but like gripping to read about basically a woman's experience who's been like sexually assaulted, exploited, um, abused, basically. What drove you to kind of like take a vocal stance and be outward about denouncing that kind of behavior? Because um, that just stood out as being like very far out from what an average skate mag would take on. That was tough, and it wasn't an
1: easy decision. It wasn't something that I was super comfortable with, and the fact that it was something that made me uncomfortable was a reason I decided to do it, uh, because I feel like we often do things that are are within our comfort zone, and I felt like this was something that I would really be challenging myself to kind of take on. And a big part of it also did come from that letter, that um, it's called a letter from a survivor, that was sent to me. So someone reached out to me, I think specifically reached out to me because the person that they're talking about or maybe a couple of the people in the story actually, which they don't name names, but they did tell me who they were, uh, were featured in stoops. Mm-hmm. And so one of the main things they wanted to do was create accountability within the community in terms of like, who's doing things that aren't appropriate to, you know, kind of like keep that in mind too. So reading that story, it was like really hard. And that story is in that, That magazine, um, that was kind of the big thing, and and, you know, had conversations with Megan, the copy editor, and she, you know, we we kind of talked about it as far as like, is this something we should take a stance on as Mm -hmm. a magazine, and um, decided to to you know needed to be done because other magazines kind of do to a certain degree, or they'll you know kind of run certain almost like PSA things about it. And I think that was also maybe how I got pulled into it too, because I remember seeing that uh, maybe it was in free skate mag or something and posting something about it on the website. And so somehow I kept getting tagged in all these things about, uh, I forget what the campaign was. It's like consent is rad or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I kept getting tagged in all these things about it. And I was like, why am I getting tagged in these? And I guess it was because of my, my blog post on the website. Cause yeah. so I was like, I didn't put anything in the magazine prior to that about this because I, nothing had ever come on my radar about it. Sure. Um, and then I was like, well, if I'm getting pulled into this conversation anyway, I guess I might as well like officially get in this conversation. Right. So yeah. that's when I decided to, to kind of do that and take mm-hmm. that on.
0: Yeah. Any like any feedback positive or negative that came out of that? that was kind of encouraging or maybe the opposite? Like, did you see people react well to it? And then also, did you see kind of like the darker side of certain people come out too where they, I don't know, reacted in a way that was um, you wouldn't want to see from a skateboarder?
1: I definitely got positive feedback about it. People that were appreciative of like taking a stance on it or people that just like wanted to... I, I, we're just glad that I, I included that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really get anything negative, which I'm surprised about, but also maybe it's because of the, the size of the platform and the the readership we have and the type of people that are reading Stoops. I think it kind of skews a specific way. Um, yeah. Yeah, because there's always the people that are like super anti-cancel culture and that sort of stuff. And I, I figured we would see some Thing on that side, but I just really didn't.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing. And I mean, it sounds like you're you're reaching all the right people then. Do you have like a target audience or people that you kind of specifically go after with a subject matter? I, I don't really cater my subject
1: matter to a specific audience. I just kind of give it from my my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like a lot of the readership is similar to me in certain I guess outlooks, uh, yeah. and I think a lot of that just comes from having some something in print media in skateboarding. I feel like, you know, something that you have to pay for, right? Mm-hmm. So there, I feel like there's a certain type of person that's gonna pay for a, a skateboard magazine, right? I'm, I'm not yeah. just like, you know, a couple dollars. You know, they're gonna they're actually somebody that like wants to support something like that some some people that are willing to put their money into something that they normally get for free right yeah um that just usually will mean that they might be a little bit older they might be a little bit more sophisticated or whatever it is sure like Um, they
0: they see the importance of preserving something like that yeah exactly like when they're buying a magazine it's like they're not just buying a product they're like giving to this machine so it can keep going. Exactly. You know?
1: yeah. yeah. And that's what the, buying the magazine does. You know, obviously sure. I'm, not, I'm making any money off it. You know, I'm <laughs> I'll be lucky if I break even most of the time, but it's more of like that money is going to help pay that for that printing cost so that I can, you know, start working on the next one. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. It's like a hamster wheel. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. One of my favorite concepts that you kind of touched on, or one of my uh, one of my favorite segments that you touched on was documenting the documenters. I think that was really <laughs> sick. You want to give the people a, a brief synopsis of what that was about and the idea behind it?
1: Yeah, so there's... I kind of mentioned this earlier when I was saying how it kind of pains me to be out shooting skate photos when I'd rather be skating. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that sentiment is is part of that where there's a lot of people in skate media that are really good at skateboarding uh and this just happened to come about by me just having shot photos of daishan and redeem here in charlotte Uh and both of them are are filmers here that rip pretty much every filmer in charlotte rips hell yeah um but I got a couple photos of them. Those guys are so good. And so it was more of like, you know, let's give them a little bit of shine. Let's give the, the guys behind the lens a little bit of shine. Cause there's a lot of them. And, and that's just two examples of, of people here. But you know, that I've known throughout time, you know, the skateboarding is how many people are photographers, filmers that are just really good at skateboarding. Yeah. And they, they're, somehow, you know, they're, they can go to all these places and be filming all these other amazing skateboarders, but like yeah. be having to be there behind the lens and not actually getting to skated. It, it's, it's a challenge, but you yeah. know, it's part of it.
0: You make a good point because I think that like the type of people that are drawn to filming or, or shooting photos in skateboarding are obviously people that just love skateboarding and if you love something, you just do it a lot and you get really good at it. So, like, yeah, it totally makes sense that, like, I I agree. I don't really know any skate filmers that are bad at skating. Oh, I know, <laughs> you know? a lot. You, you do?
1: Yeah, I do. <laughs> so it's, it, I, I wouldn't – but, see, you're in Charlotte, and like I said, pretty much every filmer in Charlotte rips. <laughs> like, yeah. They're all really good. Uh, but, you know, there are so many skate filmers that – are photographers that – They don't really skate that much, Hmm. you know, because they are always behind the lens and they don't really put aside time to go and skate when they're not filming. So they'll go out, you know, they'll film. They can cruise like the best of them, you know, they're filming people's lines or whatever, but they're not actually like out there doing tricks, you know, so (laughs) um, they never really get to that point or they'll like have like their one or two go-to tricks that they always got on everything and then that's about it
0: all right but call out the worst one who's the worst skate film oh that's easy now i'm just kidding (laughs) who
1: is the worst one that i I don't even know i don't want to be mean (laughs) damn it (laughs) trying to get you to
0: fire some shots
1: i probably don't even know who like i'm trying to think of who would be but no
0: i don't know i don't know sick I will say by the time this has come out um I just interviewed Jevon's last for, for the last episode so that'll be out by the time this comes out and I've never seen him skate so I have no idea maybe he's like a closet ripper or maybe the dude yeah. can like barely ollie we'll never know
1: I don't know if I've ever met him I know who he is yeah and I think I cause uh I was talking to Frankie Spears and he was talking about coming down here He's was like oh I'm going sometimes I film with uh John Evans. Yeah, yeah, John Evans. John Evans, and so then I looked him up or whatever, but I hadn't really known about him before.
0: He's a powerhouse, yeah. dude. His videos are insane.
1: Yeah, I watched. I watched one when I when I looked him up, but he's a, he's a good filmer. But no doubt, yeah, I just wasn't familiar.
0: Yeah, um, who are your favorite filmers to film video parts with? If it's you doing the skating and then if filming. I'm skating, yeah, Colin Reed. I mean,
1: he is probably clinically insane. The like the way that he's like the way he does things. So, have you seen Spirit Quest?
0: I blew it, dude. I I I didn't watch it. No.
1: Have you seen stuff from it? Like, have you've definitely seen stuff from it? Like the camera kickflip, the fuck, I got. If you look at the promo for it, the, the, there's, like, constantly all these, like... It's constantly being reposted as, like, oh, this is so trippy or whatever.
0: All right. We're going to take a brief intermission so I can watch this trailer. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and then we're back. I got educated. That set me right. So, Spirit Quest, some trippy-ass shit going on there. So, what projects did you work with with Colin, who was the filmer of Spirit Quest, correct? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the first oh, one was, Did you have a full part in that video? Uh I mean I had a part it was a short part it was about a minute okay. long uh but I also had I was in a, other sections of the video hmm. Gotcha So there's the video is kind of like very conceptual so a lot of it It was very it was it was a it was a group effort in the sense that a lot a lot of us kind of had to like help make some of these shots possible
0: <laughs> but um, yeah. You're talking about dropping cameras off of roofs and stuff like yeah. that. That's pretty psycho.
1: Um, but it's all, it's all Colin. That was just his crazy mind and obsess obsession with like making certain things work. Like you would go back to a spot like multiple times just to get like one, Mm-mm. the roll up right or whatever, like he would go back and film it and be like, "Oh, it doesn't work," and he have to like go back and like do it again.
0: <laughs> That's right. Or rad.
1: something like that. Um, but it it was fun because we were all game for it, and then when it finally premiered, it was just made it that much more special.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: um, but be, before that, he, his video Tangu had come out, which is really what kind of put him on the map with you know the skateboarding because it was also like insane like not as trippy as you would say with like as this one but there was and I didn't have a part in that one either uh but there was a section where we skated like rooftops in New York City just like a bunch of Mm -hmm. whatever cool rooftops we could find and then also uh in the subway system as well sick um so like all my footage is either like
0: above ground like sky level or underground like below Damn. the surface you filmed like a concept part it's pretty <laughs> wild yeah you had a picture in stoops of you doing like a pretty psycho rolling into like a steep bank that was on the edge of like a super tall building
1: that was from Tangu. yeah Rad. so that was part of that uh filming and uh that photo was actually in the new york times um so alan ying shot that who i was talking about before and mm-hmm. uh and then, um, while we were shooting that, so that's in Times Square. Uh, so at the time I was working for this, uh, drag cabaret restaurant called Lucky Chang's. I was helping them with like some operation stuff. Uh-huh. And, uh, so when we were filming for Tangu, and we were filming the rooftop stuff, I was like, you know what? Lucky Chang's actually has some cool stuff on their roof. We should go skate that one day. Sick. And it's right in Times Square. It's right across from like a big show venue. And so as I'm doing that, I'm basically riding on the edge of the, of the roof. And so all the people waiting in line to go into this like concert, like someone had noticed me like up there and said something. And then I don't know if someone told a cop or a cop was like told about it and they all see that. And then like all these cops show up and, and they're like, I don't know if they said someone in their intercom about us up there. So we kind of go duck and like hide in, in the office of Lucky shanks We're kind of like looking out the window and then I get a call from someone, uh, downstairs and they're like, yeah, they know you guys are hiding up there in the office. You got to come down and talk to them. I guess <laughs> like a serious. Like heads peeking over the window seal, like shining their lights up there. And, uh, so it's like, fine, I'll go down and talk to them. And I, because my cousins in the nypd have a pba card the patrolman and benelman
0: association card dude that's fucking crazy i heard about that in like a fred gall interview but that's a real thing huh
1: yeah yeah
0: holy dude. shit
1: so i have one of those and i went down there i gave it to the cop but the cop was just cussing me out he was so mad he was like you're an idiot, you should never be doing something like that. He's like, does your cousin know how how much of an idiot you are? Like, I'm going to call him and tell him what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, he was just, like, really grilled to me. He's like, if I ever see you up there again, it's over for you. (laughs) He was over for you. So mad. Everyone else is still hiding up there. And then I'm like, all right, I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. (laughs) And then, like, once they kind of cleared out. I got everyone else and like, all right, let's, let's dip. <laughs>
0: Man, you took the heat with your get out of jail free card. Yeah. So wait, that, did the cop like take your card after that? Is that no, like, you get- no,
1: it's, you just kind of like, they ask you for your ID and you kind of give it to them with their ID and then they give it back to you. And hmm. sometimes cops are cool about it. Sometimes they get really mad that they you have to use it, but usually it works. It's very rare that I would actually get the ticket. Hmm. but it's always for like skate stuff that it, i use it for you know so it's never anything like super gnarly yeah
0: not like murder
1: yeah actually in uh, one of my pba cards is in part of the layout in issue 10 sick you in there right in there in the mix
0: yeah damn so tell me about issue 10 going like completely analog so i don't exactly know how that works but i'm seeing like typewriter font i'm seeing like layouts that look like they're scanned in or like xeroxed in or something like that what was the manual process like for putting issue 10 together
1: it was annoying but also fun Mm um so when i started to work on it originally i wanted to do an all film issue i i really like film photography and it's it's not very prevalent in skateboarding anymore. I mean, it makes sense because film has gotten really expensive. Processing has gotten really expensive. Even scanning is really expensive. So what used to be kind of the norm... And as a result, since so many people were doing it, it was cheaper um, and now that's not the case. So it is a very expensive thing to do Mm -hmm. um, and it's easy to mess up. You know, you don't want to risk blowing someone's photo because you can't see if you're getting it or not. You know, you gotta wait to develop it. I mean, with experience, you kind of have an idea and an understanding, you know, but even with the timing, you never really know, like, did I get it just right? Because it's a split second. Yeah, You never really know. So a lot of people don't. So I wanted to do a full issue and I've been thinking about doing it for a while and I kind of was telling people to keep stuff for me for a while. Um, so I could kind of build towards that. But I also thought, well, if it's, I'm gonna use analog photos, why not just do the whole issue analog? So I decided this one I was just going to lay out by hand. So I had to put my deadline for the photos a little early um, so that I had time to get prints made of the photos and then I had to kind of lay things out and figure out the size I Damn. needed to print yeah. every photo. So every photo was kind of printed based on like how I needed it for the layout. Whoa. Um, and then I started basically making, uh, each spread individually, uh, like the size that it was going to be, um, you know, with the bleeds and so, you know, I had made a little bit like a room on the sides for Mm -hmm. so that I could still incorporate the bleeds in uh and then a lot of the the things featured in the layouts were just things I had collected over the years some stuff I would kind of go out and get like I went to Sleepy Poets over here to try to like get a few things to kind of add into those spreads cool uh a lot of the maps and stuff and some random little trinkets and all of that um so it was a lot of cutting out, gluing, taping things. Uh, I have a a typewriter I've had for a while. It's like a typewriter from like the 40s that I was using to type a lot of stuff. Some stuff I had, it wasn't really working out that way. So I kind of had to like type things on the computer like in order to get them like the size I need. And i would print them out and kind of cut them out and like lay them out how I needed to. So that was really the only time I had. I like used the computer for the layout, the bigger text yeah. blocks and stuff like that, where I just couldn't.
0: It wouldn't work with the typewriter. It was just too big. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Did you like enjoy the challenge behind that? Did you get like really into it and like kind of start nerding out and like getting obsessive with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time doing it. It probably a little too much time, uh, but I I just liked. The process it was it was fun. Uh, Mm. It was just hard to 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 make the time, you know, especially working full time. And it's like get home from work. Sometimes I'd be tired, and then I'm like go in and just start working on it until late into the night. Yeah. And when it was all done, just kind of going through each one, and and I would have to photograph each layout um, to get it right because they were too big for the scanner. So, and then even then, because they were. 3D, it's like a lot of objects on them. It's kind of hard to scan right. So I basically would just like use a light box and just try to, you know, use, get the lighting right, which was a challenge uh, initially. And then, uh, and and shoot every
0: spread. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What? So once you laid it out the way you wanted it, how does that work with a light box and like shooting the spread? Well,
1: I would use, yeah, because I was, I used one or two flashes to shoot the
0: I think I was like you laid out your layout on a table. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like on a drafting table, and then I had my uh my flash and light box above just to kind of get the, the light right there. Mm-hmm. And then I was shooting right over it. So in a way to kind of like not
0: To not cast your own shadow yeah, on. Not it, cast my it. own
1: shadow, but also to not cast much of a shadow over the images themselves to kind of mm-hmm. you know, muddy up the the layout at all, but a little bit of a shadow so you can kind of
0: like gotcha. get some depth from it. Mm-hmm. So Were you it shooting you it? Flat. Were you shooting it with a DSLR? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And that's where like the digital thing comes in. So yeah. Okay, gotcha. It was just to be able to. Well, yeah, because you have to mass produce it.
1: Well, because once I had those final layouts, then I have to put them in the, you know, in my layout, you know, in designs. Yeah, design yeah, yeah. So yeah that for sure. I can make a pdf of them to send to the printer and stuff like that gotcha yeah
0: you're gonna do it again on the next episode (laughs) no (laughs) you heard it here first folks (laughs) don't hold your breath on another analog mag all right i made a couple of notes on your street jesus video part super sick uh who was the the mad man behind that and tell us a little bit about that video Uh because context i just noticed like you got footage from la you got footage from charlotte you got footage from what i assume is oklahoma um big operation and a lot of like really sick names in the video so yeah um
1: and that actually reminds me i didn't (laughs) the people i was saying i like filming with i guess i never got past colin but uh just a quick little shout out so then the other the other two, I guess you're saying three was Dima. So Dimitri Brylev, who I filmed the, the, the part that came out on vague with, mm-hmm. um, he's just like a really good friend of mine. It was always like the best time, like going out skating with him. Um, so he was the other one. And then the the other one is John Sinclair. So he's the Sweet. one that made uh, the street Jesus video. So I met John originally in actually, uh, cuba in havana so gone on a trip out there and he also ended up going out there too and so i ended up meeting him on that trip and we kind of like we filmed some stuff there and then we kind of stayed in touch and then he came out to new york and we skated there and then he had planned this trip out to barcelona and i went out there with him and we kind of skated there um and that was my first time going to Barcelona. Yeah. And then, you know, we did more trips where he was like, you know, come out to New York, went on to like Baltimore and Philly and stuff. Um, but then when I moved to L.A., he he was living in San Diego and he pretty much moved to L.A. right around the same time I did. Um, so, we, and, and so I had stuff in some of his videos before, but never a full part. So then I moved to LA, he moved there and this was like right before COVID. So once COVID hit, we were just skating a lot mm-hmm. and it was cool. Cause you weren't really getting kicked out of much, much right, yeah. like LA, it's like a you weird go, ghost town. Yeah. You could skate downtown LA on a Wednesday at like 1 PM and not Sick. get kicked. Out. It was like, it was the same as like skating on like a Sunday or something. It was crazy. Nice. So we were just going out and we were finding all kinds of cool spots and I both of us were pretty new to L.A. I, I'd i skated L.A. a few times before, but just kind of by myself or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, one time I met up with, like, the Second Nature guys, like, way back a long time ago. But pretty much any other time I'd go, I would just go kind of by myself and skate. Uh, so it was cool to be, like, have someone there with me and just finding stuff that you wouldn't find just visiting L.A. You know, like, you're living there. You're just coming across things Mm -hmm. um so it was cool to like skate LA in a way that kind of catered to my skating versus like my perception of LA skateboarding yeah um and then so filming for that so we started that when I was living there I broke broke my knee in the process of filming for that video uh, last December so December of 2020 and that was part of like my reason for uh, ended up coming to Charlotte instead of staying in L.A. I couldn't really do much. Just kind of like, yeah. you know, it's like, let's go somewhere cheaper while well, I get, you know, not able to do much instead and come be around family, right? Yeah. So I decided to move here. Uh, well, did, me and my wife and the dogs. So when I went on that trip back, so I started skating again around April or May or something. But it was like just, you know, coming out of, you know, like a a gnarly surgery, like breaking your kneecap. It wasn't very quick, you know, it was not a quick recovery and I was still doing physical therapy. And then I took that trip in June to go get my motorcycle. And I met up with him in LA, um, skated there. And then he was going to go to Tulsa. That's where he's from. And he was going to Tulsa, uh, on while I was going to be on that road trip. So I told him i would meet him in Tulsa along the way. So I ended up meeting him there. I was able to skate a bit and do some tricks, but it was like, it w- was kind of limited, uh, what I could do, but I was able to get a couple clips with them while I was out there. Sick. Um, so I got some stuff there and then, uh, he came to chart, like when we we're getting like close to the end. So I'd filmed like a good amount of that part before hurting myself. I was like on a roll actually, because like sometimes you'd be in a clip drought where you're just like, I'm not getting, I didn't got anything in months. And then mm-hmm. that I was in, this was kind of opposite where I was like getting a bunch of stuff. And then I was like, I was gonna come here for for Christmas actually, and so we we're like the day before I'm like, all right, we've been getting a bunch of stuff. Let's go get one more clip. <laughs> so went skated this rail, came off it, came into some. Uh, uh, a, a column of bricks broke yeah. my kneecap in half. And then
0: Dude, Andrew sent me that clip, and I was like so horrified watching it. <laughs> I was like, so bad. I feel but, for you, man. That was brutal.
1: Yeah. And so the next day was supposed to be the release of Stoops issue six, and I couldn't go to there. was the first Stoops release. Obviously, I wasn't able to go to because I was getting surgery. <laughs> mm. But And I was supposed to fly out that night after that to come here, so I had to cancel that as well. Yeah. I was in the
0: hospital for, like, four days. So it goes. Yeah. But you wrangled together quite a video part. (laughs) Um,
1: Some of the clips are also from New York that I had had prior. Like, uh, other people, like, I think Dima had filmed or something like that. And then mm -hmm. there were a couple clips. So I escaped with this company called Underground Wheels out of uh, L.A., and we did a trip from like Dallas to Tulsa um, in I think like the end of October so there are a couple clips that I got on that trip that ended up in there as well
0: yeah right on yeah. where was the uh, tail drop to steel cable grind that was on that road trip
1: when I when I met up with Jono in Tulsa when Sick. my knee was still on the up. Com-
0: oh wow! <laughs> so you annoying. you were recovering while you did that? Yeah, dude, that looks like the scariest thing you could possibly do on a skateboard. <laughs> did you uh, did you ever come close at all to like falling the wrong way off of that? Um, I don't know. You're looking at, like a ten foot drop off the other side, probably. No, that was more than that.
1: That was yeah. must have been. It was hectic, Closer to dude. 20.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, Yeah, clearly you were unfazed, or at least your confidence was unfazed by the knee slam. So, Yeah, I that think was, I was oh, just... Oh, another question. Did you have to wax the cable? No. Okay, interesting. I've never yeah. tried to grind a cable. So. I
1: just put my... I just was like walking up and I just... You know, like, oh, you know, as a skateboarder, you walk by a rail. You just like, even if you have no intention of skating the rail, you just kind of just put your trucks on there. Yeah. And I was like, well, that thing actually goes. Holy and then shit. I was, well, someone He was filming this other dude, Damien, who had a part in the video, Super Sick Skateboarder, um, doing a line down there. And while he was filming him, I was just kind of toying around with it. I was just like kind of just putting my trucks on it, standing on there. And I was like, you know what? I think I could do this. And then started trying it, um, like without him filming. And then he just kind of stopped filming the line and came over and filmed it and yeah. went back to filming the line.
0: Yeah. That was some stunt man shit. How hyped were you when you landed it? Uh, I was hyped, but to a certain degree, I also
1: was like, I feel like I could grind it longer, but I think everybody was scared for me and they were like, don't, don't try." <laughs> <laughs> they just told me not to. Yeah
0: looking out for you
1: yeah i guess so probably needed that sometimes i'm (laughs) not the best at yeah you know kind of restricting myself
0: yeah well yeah maybe you are a little bit of an adrenaline junkie i saw i think it was the vague part you did like a pivot fakie on the edge of this crazy ass roof um all right hold up
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah 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 yeah
0: that was in upstate new york
1: I was trying to think because I did one on in Tangu also on a rooftop, but
0: yeah, you just love them roofs, like a... huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really mind.
0: I'm was not that one of heights or anything like that? True, and I guess like I, I know you got five of aky super down, so that's not one where you like really have to throw your weight up there. you right. I don't know. Yeah. So was that one like? Did you even look over the other side or think of it as like a scary spot or was it pretty mellow?
1: Um, I just try not to. Th- Think about, you know, worst case scenario. I'm like, I'll just deal with that scenario if it happens. Yeah. I'm like, this is just another pivot fake. <laughs> That's what I tell myself. I'm like, just a pivot fake-y. Sick. That's yeah, just a little quarter pipe. No big deal. Yeah, man. Well, you're well s- the hardest, the, so actually the hardest trick in that part, well, in the Jono's part was that dragon that I blunt fakey. It's actually my photo in issue 10. Of Stoops. My, okay. my uh, yeah, yeah. So my first words, I always try to put a photo, uh, a skate photo of myself skating just to kind of like reinforce the fact this is done by a skateboarder or someone that's like still out there skating. Yeah. And that spot, so that was on that trip with Underground Wheels and we were staying in this hotel that was like right behind Ripley's believe it or not and so one day I was just everyone was kind of taking a while to get ready and I just decided to go for a walk oh this was like the first day I got there they like picked me up from the airport we went there and they're like oh we're gonna chill for a little bit before we go out skating and I was kind of just ready to skate you know I like just got off the plane I'm like oh, I'm ready for this trip yeah. that they, they've already been on this trip for a couple days like I need to like really get it so I'm like I, I just had this energy I'm like I'm just gonna go for a walk and so I started walking and I went kind of like behind these buildings that were over there and then it kind of came to the back of this this field that was connected to Ripley's believe it or not and there was like a dragon that I guess they used to have on their signage like a pretty big dragon it it kind of had part it was like in pieces and like part of the body of it kind of swooped up to like a like a quarter pipe sort of thing but it's like convex so it was and it and it's like curving so it was super hard so at first I was like, Oh, I, could, I think I can skate this. And so I started trying to skate it and like I, the rest of the crew kind of came there with me before and I like, got like a rock fakie on it. And I was like, I, that yeah. was so hard. Like, I don't <laughs> know if I could do anything else, but then, um, I really wanted a blunt fakie though. It was in my head and I like kind of rolled up to a couple, but I was like, I don't know if I could do this. And then so I like posted a picture of it or something on my stories and then so many people are, are like people that know me are like, did you plump fakie that? Is, <laughs> I guess I do a lot of like I do pivot fakie and plump fakies a lot. And I was like, I wanted to. And it was really Colin Reed, actually, who was like calling me out. He's like, you could do that. He's like, you're going to do it. I'm like, Shit. I'm going to like that means I have to go back to do it. I'm like, oh. so I went back, <laughs> tried it. Can, was coming close but it's so hard because I don't know if you've ever skated on something that is like convex because it it takes your wheels like yeah, it's not like you, sure. you just ride straight up and this one kind of curves so you have to basically
0: you have to drop like drop turn. yeah.
1: turning and then like while your wheels stay on either side of that and then when you blunt and you come back fake you have to be able to like ride it back a, yeah. you know enough and I was trying so hard and I w- it wasn't working out but I was like, the possibility's there. And I went, I think, four times on that trip. Six. We went back to it. It was like that night. Then we went the next morning. Then we went the next night. Then we went, all right, it's the last morning. We got to do it now. And every time I was like coming close. But it was so hard just like popping it, land, just even rolling up to it a lot of times. like It was like the hardest thing I've ever done on a skateboard. And the last Six. day was like, I was like, all right, I'm going to give it one hour. And Mm -hmm. cause like there were one, was one point I was doing it for four hours one day. Yeah. (laughs) And so we went, we went there that last morning that was our last morning in Dallas. And, and then like the, someone from Ripley's Believe It or Not came out and they're like, we're going to call the cops on you and all this stuff. I'm like, Oh man, really got to like try. And then I like ended up landing it and rolling away. And, and then like Sick. someone with me was like, you got to take one of the teeth as a souvenir. <laughs> so I'm having to bust one of the dragon's teeth out. But I took it from the bag. So it wasn't as noticeable. I mean, not that it's used yeah. anyway. They just put it there cause it's trash. They have a new dragon, uh, but it yeah. was, it was like a, it was definitely one of my like highlights of my skating. You know, victorious was, moments. Yeah. It was so hard and Dude. I was so excited when it finally happened
0: you'll have that yeah i have the tooth <laughs> yeah buddy all right sick we're, we're cooking um i pretty much i'm i'm good if you're good but i just want to give you the opportunity if there's like people you want to shout out for supporting the mag so far or just general shout outs to the homies
1: <laughs> i mean anyone that's ever bought the magazine of course i want to shout out them because it's it really does like Ha, you know, keep it going. And then all the advertising, anyone who's ever advertised, you know, like not that we have a lot of advertisers, you know, it's a mm-hmm. few here and there. Sometimes some advertisers do, sometimes they don't, but anyone, anyone of those companies, it's like they're the fact that they have, you know, like knowing that we don't have the scale all these magazines do, um, you know, kind of like means a lot. It kind of helps, You know push push it forward a little bit um and then of course megan for being my copy editor and making this thing really polished yeah and and all of that um even though she's going to be mad when she sees this new issue and sees that i have a typo in (laughs) editor-in-chief I felt so embarrassed when I opened the magazine and saw that I was like no way it's the first thing I see I'm like but I that was all typed on the typewriter and you know when you type on a typewriter you're looking at the keys and not at
0: the screen
1: like you are on a keyboard because you can't just type without looking because it's like you have to go so deep with the keys and Uh you don't want to like and I, I somehow I missed it. Even looking through the PDF before I sent it off, I somehow missed it. Dumbly. And then as soon as I opened the magazine, the physical copy, I'm like, my heart's <laughs> sick. <laughs> and Megan, I'm like, Megan did not copy edit that page. Anybody is reading, no. <laughs>
0: listening to this.
1: I almost said anybody reading
0: this. It is human. <laughs> <Yeah,
1: we laughs> Anyone reading this audio. Much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, such it is to be human. Yeah. And uh yeah, anybody ever told you you look like Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park? I'm not sure who that is. All right, I'll send you a picture. Okay. Anyways, dude, that's pretty much all I got. Um <laughs> I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And uh I'm stoked to have been able to give a little bit of shine to something that I think is really cool. Um Yeah, just keeping print alive. It's it's pretty fucking rad. <laughs> I and, appreciate uh, that. Yeah, man. So Boom. We're out. (laughs) We're out. Peace. All right. Peace, y'all. Hope you enjoyed the interview. Huge shout out to Ebby. After the interview, he somehow pulled together a whole concrete spine out of Matheson that's been getting a lot of love from the local rippers. We all love what you're doing out there, Ebby. So if you see him around, be sure to thank him for his service to skateboarding and buy him a kombucha or coffee or something. Words of wisdom, everyone has a platform. No matter how insignificant you think you are, someone out there is looking up to you and being impacted by your words and actions. So let's all make sure we are using said platforms responsibly and pushing the things that we care about that make skateboarding a better community for everyone. Uh, Special shout outs here, gotta give a huge thanks to Dashon for turning me on to Ebby's work, Andrew Bumgardner for giving me some background intel and interview material for the episode, And a big ol' shout out to Luke Broussard, who sent me a fat-ass care package from his bar, The Barksdale in Asheville, NC. I love the community we're building with this janky little podcast. So, can't thank all of you enough for giving me the motivation to keep this shit firing. Love you all, and I will see you next week. Later.